We're learning about chaplaincy and specialized pastoral ministry. Joining me today, the Reverend Arthur Wersner. He's chaplain with Lutheran Ministry Services Northwest in Seattle, Washington. Pastor Wersner, Chaplain Wersner, welcome. Glad to have some time to talk with you today. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be able to take your call and to talk a little bit about what I do. Tell us about your work as a chaplain with Lutheran Ministry Services Northwest. Tell us a little bit about the organization and, and what you, uh, how you serve as a chaplain there. Mm-hmm. Well, the organization was founded in 1938 by a group of women who saw that there were a bunch of facilities in the area at the time, hospitals, uh, TB sanatoriums, and other institutions that did not have any kind of uh, organized pastoral care. And those ladies decided that they would form a mission that would reach out to those places. Uh, a chaplain was officially called in 1942, and the organization is uh, still going strong in the Seattle area. Over the years, we've had chaplains at all the major medical centers in Seattle, um, and we've provided jail chaplaincy and uh, nursing home chaplaincy as well. My role is the hospital and care center chaplain, and I spend a lot more of my time in area hospitals. Um, and the bulk of my work is as a denominational chaplain, so I'm the Lutheran chaplain uh, go-to resource for the seven major medical centers in Seattle. And our city happens to be a hub for medical care in the Northwest. So people come from as far away as Montana and Alaska and Idaho um, to the medical centers here to get some of the specialized treatments that um, we offer that some other places may not. So paint a picture for me. Tell me of the the people you serve uh tell me help me understand uh what it's like to be a chaplain and uh stories of of real real people that have been blessed by your service thank you and you know i have to be really careful when i tell my stories because of the privacy laws um and too i want to um honor the the confidentiality of any interaction i have but i've worked hard to get uh, permission from a few people to be able to share the story about what we do. Um, and being in the community, I, I'm blessed to uh, have interactions at various churches. I do a lot of pulpit supply, so I, I know a lot of people in the area. Um, and when I go into hospitals, a lot of times I will see the people that you know I've uh, visited in uh, congregations. Um, one stands out in particular. Um, it was a, a person that I'd met at the church that I attended regularly, um, where I was a member, Pilgrim. Uh, it's in Bellevue, Washington. It's kind of a satellite city. And I knew her as a regular visitor. I believe she had gone through uh, starting some membership classes, um, presented as a very engaging insightful person seemed to know the Bible backwards and forwards. So when I preached, I, I, I always kind of liked having her, you know, get me aside and talk a little bit about the sermon. Um, I experienced her as a little eccentric, but nothing out of the ordinary until one day she came to church and just seemed different. Uh, she carried herself differently, looked a little unkept, which was very unusual. Um, I talked to her after the service, 
and uh, our senior pastor had led the service that day, and I, I just, just went up and said hello to her, and uh, she turned to me and asked, I want to know where our real senior pastor is, the man who's there is an imposter. Um, right away the flags went up uh, that, you know, there's some mental illness, some things going on there. And so I kind of jumped in when I heard that to uh, some techniques that I had learned in chaplain training, a technique called validation. Um, and it's techniques of communicating with people that have Alzheimer's type dementia and other, other types of dementia. And so I, I kind of just automatically fell into that way of engaging with her. Um, I had encouraged her to go to the fellowship hall to get a little coffee and some cookies and things. And I, I was looking around in the congregation for someone I knew who was a social worker to try to, you know, see what we could do to bring her some help. And unfortunately, um, she left, left the, the congregation that day, fell off the map completely. I didn't see her. Um, our pastor didn't see her. We had phoned her house. Um, had no way of getting in touch with her. Well, I ran into her one day in the hospital, um, and she had apparently been pretty anxious um, and concerned, uh, just, you know, kind of a, a very anxious person uh, is how the staff experienced her. And so when I went to visit her, there I was a familiar face. Um, so we had that instant connection. Um, she had apparently told one of the nurses, I want my real nurse back. Where's the real nurse? You're an imposter. <laughs> and I was able to tell him, well, that, that's kind of the modus operandi. It's just, you know, the way things kind of manifest in her life. Um, I finally got to meet her family. Um, uh, family members lived out of state and I uh, was able to minister to them and, and then from that point on kind of track her when she would go in and out of institutions. Um, and I visited her at actually a couple of different hospitals and then a local care center um, and was able to do a, a service for her at the time of her funeral and minister to her family. Um, in the throes of that illness, even when it seemed like she was, you know, really not connecting with the people around her and recognizing her. The one thing she did latch on to was God's Word. It was just amazing. I could see that the baptized um, child of God uh, was, you know, receiving the benefit of, of His presence and uh, the Gospel. Um, I was able to pray with her, and, you know, that to me was, you know, the light of of it all, um, her being able to uh, know that Jesus was there with her, that Jesus was her shepherd leading and guiding, um, and then to be able to share that with her family, that, you know, her her faith was the one bit of treasure uh, that was stored up that had never been taken away. And to me, that was a, a joy and a peace uh, in the midst of that hard time. Quite often we think of chaplains serving those in, um, you know, who live in a specific uh, like senior living community or or, you know, a residents of one of those communities. But uh, as you shared, uh, their family, their extended family are a part of those you serve as well. Tell me about uh, that, about serving the family of those you directly serve as well in, you know, in an institution or, or in a senior living community. Sure. Yeah. And it's very important um, to be able to normalize the feelings that they have, um, 
you know, going into the big transition of moving into a facility. Um, you know, they say that moving is one of the most stressful events of, you know, of life. It's right up there with, with death and other things. Um, and you know, when you when you're moving, not not always of your own free will, but you know, because health is necessitated, it um, you know it creates an extra layer of stress, and often you know, family's very distressed. So I'm able to listen uh, to what their concerns are, um, able to provide that conduit of of faith. Um, and you know, it's sometimes to remind uh, those of the next generation of, of God's love. You know, there's um, you know, oftentimes a dynamic where you know you have a very faithful and faith-filled person, and the next generation maybe not so much. Um, either church going that isn't a big part of their life, but um, simply ministering uh, to that patient or that resident. Um, and then, you know, being able to bear that witness in front of the other family members kind of connects uh, them to the faith of that uh, person, uh, you know, that adult, and, you know, sometimes um, other family members who are uh, faithful as well. So it kind of acts as a bridge uh, to be able to carry the gospel uh, to them. Tell me about your preparation for this, uh, for becoming a chaplain, this route to becoming a chaplain. Was there specific training uh, that, that you pursued to become a chaplain? Yes, there was. Um, I finished MDiv studies in uh, the summer, actually spring of 2000. In the summer of 2000, I took one unit of what's known as clinical pastoral education, clinical pastoral education abbreviated. CPE, um, and that first unit was an intensive 400-hour, uh, 10-week long at 40 hours a week um, training uh, at St. Louis University Hospital. Um, so I kind of got my feet wet into hospital ministry there at St. Louis University Hospital. And from that one unit of training, I went into a three-unit residency through Lutheran Senior Services in St. Louis and was at their Laclede Groves campus, um, completing those three units of uh, clinical pastoral education. So it was a total of 1,600 hours of uh, supervised training um, in chaplaincy. Um, and then after you know a period of time, and I, I think the requirements for endorsement have changed a little bit, but I wanted, I wanted to say it's a couple of years um, experience, then you can imp- apply for endorsement in uh, specialized pastoral ministry as a chaplain, um, and they want to see that you've integrated the, the skills that you learned as a chaplain caregiver um, to see if you're uh, able to be endorsed. And, and that's something that's done through the um, uh, office there in St. Louis, the Specialized Pastoral Ministry Office at the International Center. What has been most challenging about your vocation as a chaplain? Has there ever been a day where you've really questioned, am I really cut out for this? Is this what uh, this is all about? And can I continue to do this? You know, 
chaplain ministry by its nature kind of uh, especially in institutions like hospitals and, and care centers, you kind of um, experience those extreme experiences on a regular basis. Um, and, you know, there there have been days where I've worked with, dealt with, and walked with families, uh, maybe four, five families that have experienced the death of a loved one. Um, and that is very hard. Um I, you know, bring the love and grace of Jesus in those circumstances. Um, you know, I, I feel like I myself am, am washed in God's grace, but, you know, emotionally it is very challenging. Um, and some of, some of the most challenging uh, days are when um, you have something happen in the hospital that was unexpected, and, and you're uh, at times called on to, to be there for the, the staff uh, the, the caregivers, an unexpected death in the OR, or uh, some of the other uh, things that can happen um, can be you know, very, very difficult. Um, and that's where, you know, I, I turn back and, you know, find my roots and connectedness to, to God's Word, uh, to my church community, to my family, um, and other things. I, I feel a passion uh, for uh, chaplaincy ministry and, and always have and I can't see myself doing anything else even though um, you know there are those days where it gets heavy um, but I, I see the love and grace of our Lord uh, coming through and that's that to me is what it's all about how are you given opportunities to bring Christ's word or mercy to those you serve. You touched on this a little bit earlier, but uh, how do you bring Christ's word or his mercy to those you serve? You know, first and foremost, it's about, you know, I, I carry um, <laughs> Christ in my heart. Um, and, you know, I, I at times think of St. Patrick's breastplate. You've heard that Christ before me, Christ behind me, and all around me. Um, that is kind of, you know, that's the first way that I, I um, bring Christ, is simply having Christ uh, with me thoroughly, and His grace uh, abiding in me, um, and then seeking God's help and guidance for ways to witness to that uh, in the people that I meet, in the people that I serve. Um, some, you know, I see a wide spectrum of people. Some are... Um, you know, cradle to grave Lutherans, uh, you know, baptized as little babies and have been part of the church their whole life. Um, some haven't been in church for, you know, 40 years. Um, and, you know, my visits with them are the first contact they've had with, um, you know, the minister since confirmation or, you know, sometimes even before that. Um, so, you know, the, the context of bringing the Word, you know, is different for each and every circumstance, but um, it's a, a joy to be able to do it. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, the first part is just remembering who I am as a child of God, and then it kind of flows from there. My guest today, the Reverend Arthur Worsner, is chaplain with Lutheran Ministry Services Northwest in Seattle, Washington. Chaplain Worsner, thanks so much for being our guest and for being my guest and sharing your story on Specialized Pastoral Ministry today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. God bless you. Mm-hmm. 